Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Shiny Takes, the world's only anti-free speech podcast and anti-free speech think tank. I'm going to cut that because I mumbled the word. Uh, we're a part of the Harbinger Media Podcast Network. Good shows like uh, Kino Lefter and Alberta Advantage and Propaganda. Uh, What's Propaganda? It is a YouTube channel. And I met Jacob, who runs the channel, on last night's Harbinger Hangout. He was very nice to me, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. Um, I'm joined, as always... Well, first, I should introduce myself first. My name's Eric. I'm joined, as always, by my two wonderful friends, uh, Marino Greco. Salutations. And my other wonderful friend, Jeremy Appel. Hey, it's been a while. And today we are joined by a very special guest, friend of the show, great reporter, great writer, Press Progress's Mitchell Thompson. Mitchell, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. This is this is a lot of fun, and this episode's going to be a blast. I think we, we just need to get Luke and Jen on, and then we've had the whole Press Progress team. Oh, wow. Yeah, we can become like a Press Progress podcast. It'll yeah, I mean, so, people are saying that Press Progress is like the Avengers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. I, I, I'm just repeating what people told me. Because, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I look to Justin Ling for uh, journalistic uh, <laughs> tips. And you know, that's what he does. Yeah, and in classical liberal style, everything is explained either with Harry Potter or... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If we didn't have the MCU, I'm not sure how I'd make sense of current events. Aaron Sorkin, my friend. Um, I love- Wait, so so Vladimir Putin is Iron Man, right? Oh, boy. And, oh. and, and Vladimir Zelensky is Captain America, right? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. right. And David Frum is Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah don't make true. him angry. He'll write a speech. Yeah. That will result in 37 million people being displaced. You will say a lot about South Africa in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I bet he um, had a lot of uh, he had a lot of takes on South Africa. He had that, a lot um, of thoughts on the real Nelson Mandela. <laughs> well, he had a, a lot of thoughts on a lot of things that no one no one seems to ask him about. Like it's almost like there's a condition. Whether it's stated or not, that when he goes on shitty cable news shows or the CBC or whatever, they can't ask him about Iraq, they can't ask him about South Africa, can't ask him about immigration, and they just have to present him as this liberal, um, you know, voice of reason. Yeah, it's fucking gross. He should do an interview with Nathan Downer, because that dude will just ask anything. He'll dig anything up. (laughs) Is it true that you're a rapist? Oh my god. Uh, we are, of course, referring to an infamous CP24 video in which uh, Nathan Downer brought up like m- old Mike Tyson charges. And to Mike Tyson. Which he was convicted of. Yeah. And he, yeah. you know who represented Mike Tyson? David Frum. <laughs> <laughs> one one of my all time faves. Yeah, Alan Dershowitz, who apparently, who apparently you can. Uh, he's doing cameos now like you can pay him to say whatever you want which um you know the possibilities are endless it's good that you guys brought up david from because we are going to be talking about a fail son in just a few and i mean canada has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to 
uh, unqualified uh, children of establishment people. And yeah, also whose names are Barbara. <laughs> yes. Yes. Though apparently Barbara Frum was like an actual journalist. I, I mean, that's like what my parents tell me. So like grain of salt, but um, a couple of Ben's. Does anyone know? There's a couple of Ben's. Was in there she too. like, like she was like a CBC reporter, right? Yeah. She she, wasn't, she like, hosted like, as it uh, happens blood... for years and years. Right. She she wasn't a blood curdling sicko like her two kids. Who knows? <laughs> I wasn't alive while her uh, her show was running. No, but of course, this episode's about uh, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Kay. Oh, you guys hear about this guy? Doesn't ring a bell. I don't know. Could you? Uh... I, well, I'd say. Yeah, I'm... yeah. He's like a huge fucking loser, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's maybe the most embarrassing alumnus of Yale University. Could you imagine, like, getting like a law Being degree a... from Yale and then, like, writing for like a phrenology rag and like that's all you could do with that um it, yeah. it's he's so fucking embarrassing well and like no one fucking respects him except for um his mom barbara and uh matt gurney <laughs> matt gurney's got a lot of love for the case because he's just that type of guy even though he tries to you know mask it in this fucking jovial personality well he was pen pals with barbara he was pen pals with Barbara Kay. Right, of who, course he was, because he's a piece of shit. And then uh, she set him up with a lunch date with uh, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> she organized a play date. Yeah, well, Johnny needs friends, right? Like, he's... Yeah, and he doesn't have any. <laughs> he, has, he has people he plays uh, frisbee golf with who probably fucking hate him and wish he wouldn't <laughs> show up. But he does, because he has nothing better to do. And then he goes home and he fucking takes a shower with dog shampoo because... He's just that kind of guy. You know, I I think Marino was the person who spotted that tweet first. It was like eight minutes after it was tweeted. Marino dropped it in the... Really? Yeah. I. This is okay. This is like a subtle... I, I was I was I was I was on the scene. I was on the scene under the big shiny takes guys, and we were one of the uh, big accounts promoting that. We uh, that was an early win for us. <laughs> just like a, I feel like whether or not that's true like whether or not it was us that's the way that i see it that's and my so myth making part, yeah it's a part of big shiny takes lore exactly and everything tank needs lore and world building and <laughs> you know mo- like momentous occasions in our history i can't remember what day it is it's sometime in february though because uh nick friend of the show nick was posting about it and he wished everyone a happy anniversary to all those who celebrate uh dog oh is that calgary nick yes calgary nick um it is kind of funny that john k's most uh recognizable piece of writing was that dog shampoo tweet considering he's written for like two decades yeah he was also people people talk about how he like went off the rails in 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 recent years and that he was you know he used to be this moderate center right voice but go back and read his shit he was a fucking racist scumbag he was just like virulently islamophobic after 9-11 so people were just like oh yeah you know that's one side let's hear the other side if if that but um no he's garbage and i mean he has gone full mask off in recent years with like like I, my favorite genre of John K tweet is when he just finds some like diversity, um, equity and inclusion, uh, like 
clause some some corporation has and then just tweets it with like quotes part of it that he is completely innocuous but he thinks it's ridiculous yeah for a while he had a thing of just posting pictures of drag queens and being like i can't believe this <laughs> i don't understand this picture it's ah, uh, i just keep looking at it <laughs> just like the idea of him waking up in a cold sweat remembering that rupaul's drag race exists like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of psychology going on. Yeah. Donkey. Like, I, I mean, you know, being Barbara Kay's kid must suck, mm. like hard. Like she is like, like I, I think one of the few people like that are more like toxic and malicious than him in Canadian media is his mother, and um, like he writes for the National Post whenever he feels like it because and doesn't get edited. Mm-hmm. Um, like all their fucking shithead columnists except for well <laughs> i can think of one guy who may have been edited slightly but you got to tell the story you got to you can't giggle to yourself you got to share this is a sharing circle <laughs> no, no no i'm referring to of course um a guy who kind of looks like me um but balder <laughs> named joe roberts <laughs> yeah. i mean he i mean cuz like <laughs> yeah i mean he may he may get like anyone who isn't like a complete conservative shithead i know people would say oh joe roberts is a conservative shithead i'll i'll give him the benefit of the doubt but i would imagine he got like a lightly edited for like grammar and punctuation which yeah the k's certainly don't so um but anyways he so he runs this mag called quillette uh, Mitchell, and we brought you on because you are a Quillette. You are the you're a Quillette scholar, the preeminent Quillette scholar. Yeah, I've heard. So, what what is this publication he writes for, and why why is it shit? <laughs> yes, um, uh, I, I will not be calling myself a Quillette scholar. Uh, <laughs> thank you, for that, Jeremy. Oh yes, Quillette was founded. In uh, 2015, by uh, a woman named Claire Lehman in Australia, uh, she was a, a psychology student and is rumored to be a believer in something called human biodiversity. Mm. People can read into that what they like, um, but in particular, uh, uh, Lehman did an interview at the time of his launch with Psychology Today about how she started the publication to combat uh, blank slate theory, the theory that people's brains are a blank slate, particularly as it relates to social justice issues. And if you go through the archives of Quillette, you will find one not only is is Toby Young, uh, who's described himself as a progressive eugenicist, (laughs) progressive eugenics, uh, uh, a podcast host and regular writer for it, but indeed... um, James Flynn, who's associated with one called the, the Flynn Effect, uh, has written for Colette. Uh, Richard Wynn, who's the editor of a white nationalist journal called Mankind Quarterly, uh, has been mentioned favorably by Colette. Hell yeah. Um, Charles Murray, of course, has been written about quite a bit. Um, well, I've heard, and I don't, I don't know where, but I've heard that like John Kay at the National Post did have a copy of... Um, the bell curve on his desk. Mm. I, I mean, 
it could be not true but i mean isn't it more fun if it is i think uh yeah the, i think the, the the phrase uh progressive eugenics is a bit problematic i prefer <laughs> uh ethical genocide yeah yeah and um ethical and, phrenology <laughs> well it's like that, ethical oil it is exactly like that well because yeah. actually they were um I remember them writing a polemic against Stephen Jay Gould, uh, who's kind of a hero of mine, in defense of Samuel Morton, who was the original phrenology guy. Um, it was him before before him. Uh, it was uh, Francis Galton, who's kind of associated with what's called biological determinism. Galton wasn't a phrenologist because he had a very oddly shaped head and went to go see a phrenologist. And they said, you're not, you're not cut out for intellectual work. So he dismissed that work. And then Samuel, <laughs> Sam Horton afterwards was the founder of kind of modern race science in a lot of ways. Yeah. So uh, they were defending the, the first, most prominent phrenologist from Stephen Jay Gould. What is interesting about Willette is it kind of is the most open expression of you know, the, the right fundamentally believes that people are unequal and will look for any rationalization for that belief. Whether they think that's uncomfortable or something to be sanctified is just a question of to what degree, you know, whether you're an extreme rightist or an, a normal rightist. But that is its motivating impulse. And the fact is that um, they are a pseudoscience, but have found themselves in the comfort of of race scientists and you know and, and other far right cranks and John Kay just happens to be their writer their editor who primarily writes on cultural matters. <laughs> cultural matters <laughs> like a pretty, uh, pretty sad place to be. <laughs> it's so good. Honestly, Mitchell, like you sent a bunch of links prior to this and then you're like you don't have to read these. Maybe don't. And then I read all of them. The way that they try and co-opt scientific language to just like treat other people as uh, inferior should trouble us. Yeah. And, and so here's one article. In recent years, there's been increasing concern about a decline in average intelligence in Western countries. The warnings have come from research. Richard Lynn, Michael Woodley, and many, Gerhard Marysenberg, and also James Flynn, who declared at the 2017 uh, ISIR conference, I have no doubt that there's been some deterioration of gene- genetic quality for intelligence since late Victorian times. Um, this was in Quillette. And, you know, all of those people are basically associated with Mankind Quarterly, <laughs> funded by uh, a white nationalist fund. <laughs> <laughs> connected to it, which famously known as the Pioneer Fund for people who want to do that digging. It included in its founding people who like knew Joseph Mengele and shit. Like in its uh, deep, deep hole of far right history. Um, you know, yeah. I did not know that the name Mankind Quarterly for the the uninitiated would uh, possibly drum up feelings of anxiety. Um, that it is a, a deeply racist journal. But uh, <laughs> I sent you the screenshot of the first thing that pops up on Google. And it is, it's such a good summary that I'm going to read it out loud. Uh, Mankind Quarterly is a peer reviewed journal that has been described as, and this is in quotes, a cornerstone of the scientific racism establishment. I love that it's the establishment too. Like it's like the equivalent of conservative ink. You know, it's yeah. like it's, it's 
this isn't diet race science. This is an RC brand race science. This is the name. This brand. is the Coca-Cola version of phrenology. <laughs> it is unbelievable that this exists. And it's just like out in the world. And I don't know, like the weird thing is, is how comfortable conservatives seem to be around authors like Charles Murray. Yeah, no, I think uh, part of the problem is just how it's, it's like accepted and no one's looking into this stuff. Because once you dig a little bit deeper, it, it really is like a Simpsons bit. It's like Mr. Burns using the calipers on the freaking diagram whatever it is i don't know you know the skull uh it's the real thing that we're trying to illustrate here is that it is incredibly fucked up that john k Mm -hmm. writes and i think edits at quillette and also has a position of authority at the national newspaper Mm -hmm. of the largest newspaper chain in canada the newspaper that is rammed down the throats of the most canadians Against he goes their will. the Prime Minister's memoir. <laughs> he did? Yes. Yeah. Like, if you said the Prime Minister who did blackface, his memoir was ghostwritten by an editor at Quillette, <laughs> you would think we were describing, like, a right-wing populist or something. Yeah. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> I think in the column that we read, he mentions the fact that he ghostwrote the uh, the memoir because like yeah yeah he does because it's about trudeau yeah also the column that we read is in the wall street journal not to make <laughs> a big like oh it's so different and so much more better than the uh national post they're essentially probably the same maybe it's like slightly no, more no, lived, no, no. But... i've i've long maintained that the national post is the wall street journal of canada but mm. dumber okay yeah. yeah i think it's very illustrative of the fact that Americans, even Americans who are reading papers, seem to know next to nothing about Canada when you've got people mm. like Jonathan Kay writing about Canadian politics. And, you know, by extension of that, you know, Rupa Subramanya wrote about uh, about the class warfare that's coming in uh, in Canada, which is like, OK, what? <laughs> What side are you on in this class warfare, Rufa? But also, like, J.J. McCullough. There's a long laundry list of people who don't really understand what's going on in this country explaining it to another much larger country. Mm. Um, and that's a problem that we have to deal with because we see the dumb dumb left in America talking about how the trucker convoy is a working class struggle. And it's like, oh, where did that idea come from? Yeah, like Sidney Blumenthal's son, <laughs> which is now how I am referring to him um, from now on. Um, yeah, just one one last thing about Quillette. Andy, no. What 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 what's what was his relationship to Quillette? Because if I understand, he did some pretty gross like journalistic malpractice, and they like scrubbed him from the website. Is that like Mitchell? Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, uh, Andy No, I mean, I guess he started out uh, his career writing in Britain about uh, the hoax of the kind of Muslim no-go zones. So these were supposed to be like parts of London where, because you couldn't drink in the street, um, it must have been a sign of Sharia law. <laughs> uh, this was pretty quickly debunked. Um, so then, yeah, eventually he washed up in Portland. First, writing about uh, hate crime hoaxes. 
He must have had a field day with uh, Jesse Smollett. Though I guess that was a bit after his, uh, past his prime. Yeah, great guy, great guy. And, you know, and then, uh, yeah, covering Antifa. And in some respect, it was found out uh, there, there was some video of him talking to people who were connected to the alt-right and walking with them and discussing uh, the location um, and the uh, the prominence of a, a bar that was known to be a, a place where anarchists and anti-fascists hung out. Um, uh, I believe he's left uh, Quillette um, since that happened. Uh, I'm not I'm actually not sure where and you know uh, ended up, but uh, I think. Um, the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yeah, well, he was in the hospital over his uh, traumatic brain injury. Yeah, I think he's like an editor at large or like a writer at large at the post millennial these days, which is like, which another... I believe Barbara K writes for. <laughs> Fucking course. Yes, like when she... millennial Barbara K writes for that. Uh, um, but um, no, because I remember, remember when she um, tried to like pull a Barry Weiss with the National Post and was just like, I'm quitting. The environment is not a safe space for me. I'm, I'm going to take I know I can't provide any examples, but I'm I'm going to take my calm elsewhere. And then like a month later, uh, Matt Gurney or whatever dipshit was running the opinion page at the time wrote the editorial being like National Post is always uh, going to challenge its readers and um, publish white supremacist and transphobic trash. And then she came back. But in that month period, I think she was just writing exclusively for like the Epoch Times and Post Millennial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of you brought up Jesse Smollett earlier, and John Kay kept mentioning Jesse Smollett in tweets during the trucker convoy because John Kay became an investigative reporter on the internet like early February because there was a police report of an attempted arson. Um, and, and he kept trying to prove to everyone it was a hoax. And like, John Kay will be the first person to tell you he has no dog in this fight. He just wants to um, own all the the woke libs that are trying to play spot the Nazi. It was really easy to spot the Nazi. It was the guy waving the flag with the swastika on it, right? Um, but he maintained the fact that uh, we're just going to be pointing at people in the crowd that are doing Nazi-like things. Um, so he tried his very, very best to paint this obvious attempted arson as some sort of weird hoax to make the trucker convoy look bad which is like weird because like i don't know how they could have looked worse than <laughs> what they already did like themselves no that's because of antifa though oh right um, fuck <laughs> but um no it was funny because he 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 had this whole twitter thread about how it's fake no police report has been filed yet and then um I actually, when a, the police announced that they were investigating it and a police report, in fact, had been filed, he didn't update his thread. And so I asked him, John, like, aren't you going to update your very serious journalistic thread with this uh, major development in the story? And uh, the police had a picture of the alleged arsonist who tried to burn down this apartment building in Ottawa. And... He went from being like, no, 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 this didn't happen to being like, 
Well, one of them has a mask hanging from his ear, so clearly he's not with the convoy as if like, <laughs> oh no one can just put a mask. <laughs> what a fucking dickhead. It's like everything is a conspiracy of Antifa and then but but it's inconceivable that someone who is against masking would put a mask on their ear to um, <laughs> confuse people. Where would they even get the mask? At the mask store? <laughs> they don't even let non-Antifa uh, members into the mask store anymore, I heard. Um, but yeah, like there is one post that John K made where he links to an article by, you know, reputable news organization, The Rebel, <laughs> who took on this uh this arson was a hoax story um and he's like see someone's covering this honestly and the entire article is just quoting the john k tweet thread so he's linking to an article written about a thread that he wrote Mm. just (laughs) it is it is the dumbest shit i've ever seen in my entire life okay should we get into this column i i think we should I think we should. I think we're ready. Um, so we got Jonathan Kay. We got the Wall Street Journal opinion page, which is like the National Post opinion page, but like, like I guess a bit more highbrow. Um, but it's also just like the filthiest, like neoconservative ghouls who just absolutely love like punching down at vulnerable people and starting wars and all all the shit you would expect if you're familiar with national post which i assume our readers are our listeners mm-hmm. so typically mitchell we let the guests read the column so if you feel up for it you're more than welcome to take it on and we will will interject if there's anything that upsets us and we want to talk about and feel free to stop at any point okay um i can't guarantee that i can do a, a john cave voice oh dude but... you have to Prime Minister, sorry. <laughs> Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah. If Donald Trump were a woke Canadian, he'd be Justin Trudeau. That's good. That's Sunny good. wave, or once the Prime Minister's bywords, now turned into a divisive demagogue. <laughs> so this is like a, a super interesting thing already that, like, John... I think John bought in to the Sunny Ways like bullshit talking point from the PMO, and now he's really upset because Trudeau over the last couple of weeks has been scolding people, and I I don't know if he thinks anything is more important than not being scolded. Look, I voted for Justin Trudeau. I was a lib <laughs> back then, and I, I know I bring it up a lot, but I mean, even even then, even then, I was like, this Sunny Way stuff is a little ham-handed. Was was voting for Tom Mulcair like any different or like, it's like the same? Way? Thing, like yeah. it's all the same yeah. like neoliberal shit. Toronto <laughs> is a, from this article. We do not claim I why, but I wonder if he wrote it from the park where he plays frisbee golf. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met Donald Trump for the first time five years ago this month. The moment legendary for many <laughs> who relished the sight of our young charismatic leader imposing his cheering manners on the bumptious American president. Sunny Ways had been one of Mr. Trudeau's campaign mantras. The whole scene was peak Trudeau. It's, no one has ever thought that before. 
Legendary. <laughs> his understanding. Eek Trudeau. His understanding of legendary is incredibly warped. No. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, I yeah, I I would not agree with that sentiment. But look, I'm no, I'm just some like ivory tower elite, right? I don't know what the, the 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 real the you know the rank and file the the working class think like John Kay does. Did you see his thread about like interacting with the working yes. class? And one of his things was like, yes. he's like, you need to you need to go sit in a McDonald's and eavesdrop on conversations, and that's how you'll know what working <laughs> like, class oh people my, are thinking. Oh about. my God, John! Like, like, tell us you have no friends without telling us you have no friends. Just like John Kay sitting in a mcdonald's like, booth writing feverish notes where he's just like <laughs> he's like mcchicken pretty this good. is the like, real shit right you know what that would be cool if the notes weren't about race science yes for sure yeah just noting skull shape down uh mitchell you want to jump back into this thing yes <clears throat> it wasn't well no but i can't do that yeah. <laughs> no you gotta finish it sorry it wasn't simply that mr trudeau stood up to american protectionism during trade negotiations, he also projected a genuinely patriotic vision of Canada at a time when Canadians, Europeans, and some Americans were eager to applaud leaders who rejected Mr. Trump's political style. <laughs> That's all changed as demonstrated by Mr. Trudeau's shrill response to the Freedom Convoy. The trucker protest against vaccine mandates, which occupied downtown Ottawa until last weekend. <laughs> this has been gone for a while. That's not a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Over the past few years, Mr. Trudeau has attacked his critics in vicious ways, including a 2021 rant in which he linked vaccine skepticism to racism and misogyny. Sounds like John. Sounds like John is a little um, uh, 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 triggered much. Yeah, yeah. That's what. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I this, just seeing this, getting all psychological. This seems like someone who's like been told off a lot, and now he's like really like sensitive about any sort of scolding, especially from his uh, his, his sunny ways uh, prime minister. Are you saying this column is? Uh due to him being raised by someone um, as awful as Barbara Kay, because I would probably agree with that. No, John Kay only gets triggered by drag queens. Oh. Come on. <laughs> drag queens have not been involved in this. Sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I think the word shrill is super interesting there, where he's like mm-hmm. trying to paint Justin Trudeau as some sort of um, hysterical nincompoop, which, I mean, I think the use of the Emergencies Act was very bad, um, but... I don't think he was shrill at any point. I think he was like an annoying neo-lib because that's what he is. I also think that this plays into the the whole John K doesn't have any ideas. He just kind of runs on vibes <laughs> and like he, he just he kind of like he gauges the tone in which people are talking to him. And then as soon as they they sound less than overly friendly, he's like, this person's bad because they made me feel sad about who I am. It sucks. I can't say that I haven't used that approach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> to build your worldview around? No. <laughs> I, I, I like some facts. This month, he and his Liberal Party colleagues went further, calling protesters right-wing extremists and suggesting they were Nazi sympathizers. <laughs> Luckily, he doesn't say which protesters. 
Justin Trudeau, I think, made a comment about how the conservatives were cynically aligning themselves with uh, a group of people that were waving flags with swastikas on them, perhaps for boats. But like, I don't think he said that they had like Nazi sympathies. I think he. What what John's saying here is that Trudeau's suggesting they were Nazi sympathizers, but it's just like a very classic conservative sort of framing. It was just like, why are you being so mean to me? Why are you saying this so much for the tolerant left when it's like a very, it would not be outlandish to suggest they were Nazi sympathizers. There were many Nazi flags at that protest. We saw people when they were questioned if they were white supremacists, you know. <laughs> actual a lot saying we were so it's just oh ridiculous. oh john k had a take on that yeah too. Sure i don't know if he's mm. <laughs> he's just like see this proves that the vast majority of people there weren't white supremacists because it was like one person and maybe they were joking <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like some... how would they even find a mask that that old biscuit right when questioned in parliament about his decision to declare a nine-day national emergency in response to localized protests, Mr. Trudeau declared that some of his conservative critics were allied with, quote, people who wave swastikas, unquote. The direct target of his outburst was Melissa Landsman, a member of parliament and a descendant of Holocaust survivors. Okay, first of all, I just want to say Melissa Landsman has a fucking Hitler haircut. <laughs> <laughs> you said that on stream and you were so mad that nobody laughed dude yeah it bombed it bombed but i could say that because i'm jewish she has a hitler yeah. haircut making me feel ill yeah, yeah um karma police yeah, yeah yeah exactly that's all i was saying yeah i was quoting radiohead all right don't get mad at me just that's a lyric to a song but uh it's fucking true just google a picture of her dumb face um and oh yeah um, her party stood with people who wave swastikas as part of the convoy. And he didn't say you personally were staying with people who wave swastikas, though I would probably defend that too because she was fucking tweeting about empty store shelves because of the vaccine mandate. Use it as Mitch, as the outlet you work for, uh, demonstrated was a fake photo that was purchased from uh, some British guy. And yeah, and it, it was really funny seeing all the hysterical, like liberal hand wringing, being like, "Well, I don't support the conservatives." Like fucking Jason Markusoff being like, "Well, I'm not conservative, but this is too far." Yeah. Well, it's this sentence is just like a really, really tired conservative trope that, like, Jewish people can't be anti-Semitic. Eric, you don't know this because you're not a member of the tribe, but let me let me fill you in on something. Okay. No Jew has ever collaborated with nazis but like it, it never happened but ezra levant like paid faith goldie money news. right oh shit what about gavin mckinnis he also worked at the rebel right yeah, yeah yeah no um famously no jews ever there were no jewish collaborators with nazis they there were no what capo never heard of it except when i've been called it for criticizing israel but, <laughs> uh, which i'm sure john k is very against jeremy if you were prime minister would you use that line in the house of commons about the haircut <laughs> yeah which is why i'd never be prime minister i'm glad that you wouldn't be prime minister because that would prevent you from doing this podcast uh mitchell do you want to jump back into your john k impression it's actually not what he sounds like it's what he sounds like in that's my head. it's better that way yeah. 
That's the beautiful. disc golf correspondent for Willette. <laughs> I just got to say, um, I don't know how much of what Quillette publishes John K. believes, but as a fellow employee of a website, a different website, just to be very clear, it is kind of a sad existence. So I think if you spend a couple of years writing about board games, <laughs> queens, and disc golf for fucking race science today, um, <laughs> Your voice just starts to sound like this, you know. <laughs> Who are you talking to? You know, it's like I don't know what it is that happens. So that's the origin of this voice. It's nothing in particular about uh, how John Kay actually sounds. It's just uh, it's almost like he's kind of the canary in the coal mine, except not a canary. He's something far more unpleasant than that. He's a pigeon in a coal mine. Uh, <laughs> He really just doesn't know how awful his company is um, because he has his own unpleasantness. Yes, I think that's actually such a good point. Like, he sucks so much. He's awful. The argument whether the people that also work at Quillette are worse, frankly, I, I don't know if it, it matters because he seems to be fine with them being around and also sending him checks. I mean, he edits them, presumably. Like, I don't know what he does. I mean, maybe it's like editing the National Post opinion page where you just, like, (laughs) copy and paste, like, whoever gets sent to you from some, like, white nationalist. Looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he, um, I remember he was on Candleland Commons. He was on Commons? Yeah. I believe it was when Desmond was hosting. And there was a the episode was called White Men Gotta Speak on This, in which John K. was that white man. <laughs> in which he said, you know, I know that there's a lot of racism in the United States, but you got to also consider the fact that Ben Carson is running for the Republican nomination. Oh, my God. I know none of you probably have a very high opinion of Ben Carson, but, but come on, we got to consider what a kind of momentous moment this is. Of course, Donald Trump ended up getting the nomination, but I'll never forget that. That's John Kay. John Kay, I mean, his idea of uh, equity is Ben Carson. um, It's like having people of color agree with his shitty worldview. Yeah, yeah. It's Melissa Lanceman and Ben Carson, you know, occupying the positions they do. It just goes to show that there's no racism or prejudice. left in in North American society. At any rate, okay, back to to the take. What is most astonishing about Mr. Trudeau's metamorphosis from upbeat unifier to dour social justice soul (laughs) is speed. If you read his 2014 memoir, Common Ground, on which I worked as an editorial assistant, <laughs> plenty of soaring language about Canada, but nothing about a supposed epidemic of white supremacy and Nazi-inspired hate that he now describes as a major threat. Does John understand so, how fucking time works? Or like, not that there wasn't, like, a nascent no, white nationalist threat at the point into, like, 2014, but, like, shit really took... Like, fuck. Oh, my God. That's so... Idiotic. In that, like, books, politicians, right, before they're elected to, like, high office, um, 
is just a bunch of like fluff that doesn't mean anything which i mean the fact that he you know helped write it or whatever is just testament to that yeah it would be wild to read someone's like a politician's memoir and them being like eight years from now there's going to be an astroturf trucker convoy that is going to (laughs) like channel the anger (laughs) and frustration at the government's response to a global pandemic that started in 2020 (laughs) into right-wing hatred yeah (laughs) i cannot imagine i cannot bear with the fact that john k is making us defend judo yeah no it's it's really annoying that he's doing this and i mean like i think there's something to be said about national post columnists um building a cult of personality around one of the most boring politicians of all time just by talking shit about him all the time and then getting like boomers galvanized in defense of trudeau hashtag i stand with trudeau but like it, it just i do think that this is just beside reality like this entire take is is doesn't live in the same world that i do do you want to read the take <laughs> A shift occurred three years ago when Mr. Trudeau publicly acceded to the farcical claim that Canada is perpetrating a genocide against Indigenous women. Oh, my God. Last year, he had the Canadian flag lowered for more than five months in response to the discovery of a presumed burial site near a former boarding school for Indigenous children. That that was another great John Kay tweet about, did you see that one, about how... Well, actually, it was his mom's take in National Post yeah. that he shared and expressed his agreement with, which, I, I mean, I guess maybe that um, led to him being allowed to stay up past bedtime. But um, <laughs> those irregularities that are shaped like uh, corpses that have decomposed could be anything. Oh, my God. It's, it's so it's repulsive. Also, calling it a boarding school is uh, is another... Yes. Oh, shit. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, boarding school for indigenous children is like a wild revisionist take, right? Yeah, it's fucking... It's, it's genocide denial. It is genocide denial. And there's a couple adjectives in this sentence that I think are, are really fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. I think farcical is a very fucked up thing to say because it's it's just like denying reality at that point when you're thinking that it's some sort of joke um and then presumed burial site is also super fucked up and notice how he says indigenous women not indigenous men because it wasn't just the missing and murdered indigenous women report that said canada was committing genocide it was also the trc which was against indigenous people writ large but you won't hear that from john k because you know the insinuation is what about the men honestly i think he just doesn't care that much to even like know the difference no he doesn't care maybe he cares about no, scoring points right like yeah this, this is just like another one of those like let's just trigger the yeah lips. no it's he's he, he's chasing clout yeah he's showing his power level or whatever the fuck yeah. um it's it's bullshit and he's an idiot and everyone should make fun of him all the time because he looks like a turtle and no one came to his tag talk that's very funny oh yeah that ted talk i don't know if you've seen it mitch but it's fucking amazing like you have to oh yeah 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 no yeah. I, I uh i've seen the promo <laughs> of a ted talk where he comes out and says uh you might think i'm just a regular boomer who talks about how great reagan was let me tell you reagan wasn't <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to build bridges with snowflakes by you know 
And by snowflakes, I'm sure he means like Conrad Black and uh, Melissa Lanceman and uh, other other people of color or whatever. But, uh, each passing month seemed to bring new and more flamboyant gestures of contrition. Okay, so really he's called incredible. Trudeau as he's called Trudeau shrill mm-hmm. and flamboyant. Like he's he just he's calling him gay, right? Yep. Yeah, and he's trying to emasculate him, right? Like it is it is weird. I think they don't necessarily always take this particular tack, but with like a liberal like Justin Trudeau with like long hair, that's basically it. It's, it, it is as deep as that. He's a total frat boy otherwise who like dresses in blackface and like issues policies like that are completely in line with their worldview and thinking if they really but they get so wrapped up in this like light identity politics and everything and i think there's honestly i think there's just a lot of frustration and confusion on behalf of some of these conservative men who just don't want to admit that they have a a little crush on on daddy trudeau yeah he's called trudeau but he's lying (laughs) i just said that to trigger people (laughs) i think i think this deserves a deeper investigation i think uh I'm actually working on a five-part series for uh, Quillette. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Um, deep dive. Deep dive. Those lies. We should call him Lido. Lido. Yeah. Oh, shit. We should. That's definitely the name of the episode. There was a headline that was basically that. From John Kay and Quillette. Let me find it. <laughs> we got to read some of John Kay's Quillette. Fucking headlines. There you go. Oh, here it is. At Dalhousie University, ideology comes first. Science comes second. <laughs> yep. Workers versus wokeness at Smith College. Campus social justice as a luxury good. Okay, like, John Kay's never had a real job in his life, right? No. No. Like, there's no way. Social justice at Harvard, a case study in educational dysfunction. No. I I just, I love how, like, for all the opportunities this guy has had, how small his audience is, and how irrelevant his work has been to discourse in this country. Because, like, I don't know anybody who's like, John Kay, oh yeah, great writer. Um, And I feel like a lot of people would be hard-pressed to name one of his columns and like we've read his columns before on this show and i can't remember a single one weaponizing social justice to protect school administrators and discredit whistleblowers a canadian case study (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like we're we're like two-thirds of the way through this thing do you want to jump back into it mr trudeau (laughs) does the scorn he is now receiving including from principled liberals who understand that invoking emergency powers to silence political enemies sets a terrible precedent. I want to know who he considers a principled liberal. Ben Carson. <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Black. Yeah, yeah, right? Classical liberals yeah. like Dave Rubin yeah. and, uh, um, you know, I mean, Dave Rubin's obviously looking. Yes, yeah, Sam uh, Harris. Know, like, yeah, Majid Nawaz. Godsad. Um, yeah, God. <laughs> I forgot about that loser. Oh, man. But in fairness, Mr. Trudeau isn't solely responsible for the climate of hysteria that now suffuses Canadian progressive politics. 
His rise to power coincided with America's great awakening. It's it's like a proper noun. It is a power now. And neither Mr. Trudeau nor anyone around him could have predicted how radicalized the social justice movement would become. (sighs) This is super annoying because this is a framing that I think rejects reality, right? Like, this is John Kay trying to paint Justin Trudeau as someone who exists on the left, right? And I think the, the... most generous you can really give him is being left by like a millimeter of the direct center or center right this is a man who benefits so greatly from the status quo is the son of a former prime minister has his life basically sorted out for him from the moment he was born to his drama teacher days to his time as prime minister i don't think his policies have been progressive at any point He's kind of left us out to fend for ourselves during the pandemic. And there's a lot of criticism of him on the left because of his policies. It's fucked to read someone pretend that he's a progressive in any way. Yeah, he's a human embodiment of like the like general dynamics pride. Yeah. Life, right. <laughs> like that is like, like to borrow a phrase like he like nothing has changed in terms of actual policy. Mm-hmm whether towards indigenous people uh, or towards Palestine, um, you know, or towards anything to do with Canadian foreign policy, it's completely unchanged. And nothing in terms of, I mean, aside from some of the uh, temporary pandemic relief that's all been clawed back, there's nothing different between Trudeau and any previous minister. Canada brags about being the most decentralized country in the G7, um, and the austerity consensus has entirely remained. And in his book, which John K. Ghost wrote, he committed himself to maintaining everything (laughs) from the government, pretty much. He just happened to, you know, be as the head of the Bay Street's preferred party, you know, that includes diversity quotas and, you know, not being an idiot uh, or or not having, you know, idiotic, hateful blusters every now and then. And and the thing is, like, idiots believe that and and feel represented by that. And idiots get angry about it and feel left out by it, which is John Kay. And and they're both a very tiny sliver. It's so weird to see it in writing. Like, I know this is how some people see this country, but it's John Kay. Like, he edited that um, book because he clearly saw something in himself in Justin Trudeau. Maybe it's because he's uh, like also a fail son. Um, although Trudeau has won three elections. Trudeau's a fail son in like a certain like banal, like nothing can go wrong for a way, but like John Kay is like a true failure. Yeah. In every capacity. Canada had its own great awakening <laughs> in 2016. A few months after that famous meeting between Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Trump, that year marked Canada's 150th birthday. I'd just like to say, John Kay is the only one who fucking remembers Canada 150. <laughs> yeah, like nobody gave a shit. <laughs> there was such a there was such a push. 
but not. No, nobody cares because this country is like made up. But it's just, it's so great to see the way he's like put together the pieces where he's like, there was a, a moment, there was a paradigm shift where the left became intolerable. And that was Canada 150. And it was, spe- <laughs> it was spearheaded by Justin Trudeau talking to Donald Trump. And like, it's just to ignore the pandemic as like, the great awakening like even that that concept is so ridiculous but to ignore that as like the watershed moment for people being radicalized is i think it's patently false although like again i'm like trying to correct his like completely deranged take you know yeah it's uh it's pretty sad i mean this is who the culture war is for for john k and the liberal mirror image of john mm. john gay how dare you? Uh, <laughs> he's liberal John Kay. <laughs> no, that's his liberal, his liberal, like like bizarro John. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Adam Zemo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Instead of joining the National Party, many indigenous leaders refused to help celebrate a country created at their ancestors' expense. The ensuing culture war eruption was volcanic with Canadian media, especially the already quite woke Canadian Broadcasting Corp, launching into modeling spasms of national self-recrimination. I just like the already quite woke CBC. Like, yes. like what, like what, like measure, like how do you measure wokeness? Your fucking mom was on CBC. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because she is an expert on, uh, on trans people. What are modeling spasms of self-determination? I think in this case, he's referring to um, the absolute tiny gestures of uh, trying to appear to be accountable that sometimes happen in Canadian media. Just the way, well, just the way he wrote off like, oh, well, these indigenous leaders are, you know, getting all flustered over (laughs) things that happened at their ancestors' expense. Dude, fucking. Well, exactly. It happened at their ancestors' expense, and everything happening today is their own fault for being lazy. <sighs> is what John Kay thinks, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, in, obviously he's talking about indigenous leaders, because, you know, if you, if you go to a McDonald's, you know, and listen to what indigenous people <laughs> at McDonald's are saying, it's they're scared about trans people, too. Yeah, yeah. It seemed to affirm all of. Uh, all of John Kay's worst fears, right? Like, I, I do think, like, the maudlin spasms of national recrimination is, like, John Kay thinking that the world has gone super woke, but that's because he's, like, he's a mark for the optics-based um, reconciliation that Canada seems to engage in all the time. Right, he thinks even that is a bridge too far, right? This completely, like, performative... I mean, performative wokeness, I mean, that is what it yeah. is, but for him, that, like, there's no distinction he makes between the performative wokeness and yeah. the actual social justice. Yeah. Because he's a disingenuous freak who wants you to think it's, like, him protecting Western civilization against the unwashed hordes, right? That's... It exactly. Yeah, I mean, his his kind of horror at CBC, like, you know, occasionally having an indigenous person on, 
is it, it you know thinking it, it fundamentally has changed the scene if you got scared that when the ceases twitter account puts out the you know the token tweet for black history month he thinks they're not going to funnel money to neo-nazis or infiltrate left-wing organizations anymore of course it doesn't mean that it's just the it's just performative he doesn't understand that um <laughs> And it's all there's almost something kind of amusing about it. Like obviously his intentions are horrifying, but you know how gullible he is is almost heartwarming. That he looks like an empty performative shit and and sees in it profound acts of you know commitments to radical change, as if he's never seen politics before i've never seen politicians talk and understand that they lie um and it's it's so cute it's almost like john k may write for a race science blog about disc golf and shit but the fact that he believes what trudeau says he might be the only one (laughs) oh my god Mr. Trudeau, who had succeeded in politics by presenting himself as both a great patriot and an unimpeachable progressive. Jesus fuck. <laughs> of it both ways, when Canada's defining national ideal had been resistance to American laissez-faire capitalism and bellicosity, Canadian patriotism and progressivism went hand in hand. But suddenly, an alliance with progressive true believers required agreeing that Canada is a racist and genocidal hellhole. I mean, yes, but he doesn't have any alliances with progressive true believers, I don't think. Yeah, like who? Who, John? (laughs) Like he he doesn't like he can't tell you because he's a dumbass who doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, it's like Canada is a racist and genocidal hellhole. I think that's an objective truth. I don't think Trudeau believes that. Yeah, sorry, John. Facts don't care about your feelings. It's also just not true that Trudeau succeeded in politics by presenting himself as an unimpeachable progressive. It's just not. It is so. Like, it's not true. <laughs> like, what does that even mean, though? <laughs> it's like he's like, just he's just throwing around buzzwords that he knows the fucking psychopaths who like read the Wall Street Journal opinion page are going to be like, hmm, yes. Because like, OK, so like progressive is a meaningless word anyways. So I don't know who is like, who is it? Like, who would be a progressive? I don't even know what it, I guess. Christopher Freeland's. Is a progressive? I mean, she's obviously a reactionary, but if if progressive is just kind of surface level, like, you get this. Yeah. I don't know what fuck even is no. progressive. Like, well, it's like it's like saying you're a leftist rather than like taking on any particular stance. Although I think I don't know, maybe that's more forgivable. Well, progressivism. Just, I mean, it it, it range. I mean, it's relative. Right. Like, and, and you see this in like municipal politics a, a lot where, where like a, a race becomes like a two way race. It's like a progressive versus a conservative. Right. And it's so you can be center right, but you're running against the far right. Then you're a progressive. If you're a fucking like centrist lib running against a center right ghoul, then you're a progressive. Right. Like, it, it, it's just 
totally um, relative. Um, and I think that's clear in municipal politics when there's no, there isn't like a uh, party affiliation that it's just like uh, conservatives just like I'm gonna cut your taxes um, and that's it. That's what I'm gonna do. Right, that's conservatives, progressives talk about like build city building and stuff, right? Like nothing ever changes in municipal politics either. You know, it, it pretty much like in Toronto, basically every city council candidate is the same, and it doesn't matter. Um, there's no reason to get excited by it. <laughs> Actually, that's most politics in Canada. <laughs> you know, and yeah, you know, what it is is it's you know, you're doing nothing, but you're using kind of slightly different words that you know suggest that you you have an ounce of compassion whereas conservatives do nothing good <laughs> but don't pretend to have compassion and, and that seems to be it so which case, i guess trudeau did that sure john you're right you know what i agree with john <laughs> this is an unexpected conclusion to this episode <laughs> can't beat him join him yeah all right when in 2019, Mr. Trudeau was revealed as a hypocrite who lectured the world on social justice while hiding evidence of his wearing blackface. <laughs> Remember how many times he painted himself when young to look like a black person that only turbocharged his performative approach. Wait, does he think they don't know what blackface is at the Wall Street Journal? Like, I mean, to be fair, they probably don't. It, yeah, I mean... No, they all remember fucking Al Jolson. Yeah, that's yeah. true, that's true. And Wall they've Street done it. Journal they've all done it before. Times, so. yeah. They've all done the Mr. T Halloween costume at the office party. I think he just wants to remind them that that's called blackface, right? A white son of privilege, and even more to prove, when George Floyd was killed in 2020, Mr. Trudeau took a knee, though Minneapolis isn't a Canadian city, making clear that he was beholden not only to the parochial rights of Canadian wokeism, but also to the American variant. Right, because that 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 actually made me like chuckle when 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 I first read it. Like this idea that um, you know things either happen in Canada or the U.S. And like if you're Canadian, you have to talk about like Canadian issues, and if you're American, you have to talk about American issues as if there's no like n- nothing happens uh, across the border. Um, you know, as if like a black man wasn't mur- killed by police um, just a few weeks ago in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't support the Freedom Convoy because I didn't agree with the protesters' demands, and I was off by some of the genuinely radical elements among the original. Oh, the Nazis! <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Was yeah? Wasn't he just saying that? Trudeau was being mean to the convoy because he pointed out there are Nazis involved with it. Though to be fair, John Kay isn't saying Nazis; he's just saying radical, right? Yeah, they, like, I mean they could be they could be communists. Yeah, they could be Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw them waving hands in circles. Yeah, uh... as the days passed, I became far more alarmed by the hyperbolic responses from Mr. Trudeau and his allies. 
especially his wholly unnecessary invocation of the Emergencies Act, period. <laughs> Thankfully, Mr. Trudeau abruptly revoked Canada's emergency status on Wednesday, only two days after ordering his caucus to vote for it, when signs emerged that its implementation might be blocked by the usual quotient Senate. What's that paragraph for? Like, he already talked about the Emergency Act, and he said that he didn't agree with it. Which, I mean, fair enough. I think that the Emergencies Act is not a great thing. I think it does set a precedent. Well, he's saying that it's worse than um, than the, you know, uh, fascists who led this AstroTurf convoy, um, as if you have to choose one or the other. <laughs> it's like... Like you, you can't you can't be against both at the same time. <laughs> it, it's either one or the other. Coke or Pepsi. It's like one of those things that like it's like yes, yes, John. Both things are are bad. Um, it it is cool that one one bad thing made him gain sympathies for the other thing. Like it's kind of an interesting world that he lives in. It's kind of like a seesaw of ideas. I mean, I hate how much defending of Trudeau that we've done in this piece so far, but we're almost done, and we can forget about it forever. Finish this off. We're the last. Yes, please. We become what we hate. Goes the old expression. (laughs) John is becoming his mother. (laughs) Even so, Mr. Trudeau's transformation is a shocking one. In 2017, when I watched him take the stage in Washington, I'd never have believed anyone who told me that in only five years, two men shaking hands would be practicing the same divisive style of politics. John thinks that politics is when someone is mean to another person. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. I don't know what else that could mean. This guy, he's gotta be one of the dumbest people, like, in the world. It's, like, that's the thing, right? Like, I always get stuck in, like, do they just have, like, a casual disdain for who's reading whatever bullshit they, they write, or are they dumb enough to, like, buy their own shit? No, I think he has disdain for himself. Right, which, if I may psychologize a bit, has to do with the disdain he has for his mother, who I'm sure um, treated him like absolute mm-hmm. shit growing up. Yeah, we become we become what we hate. Hundred percent. Yeah, and he hates his mom. It's like everyone, it's like except for Matt Gurney. Very Bates Motel energy, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's trite at this point, but like big time, like, um. Principal Skinner. Like what the what like I think when she dies, which hopefully is soon, and we're gonna have a have a a, a wake for her. Yeah, a celebration of on, uh on Twitch. Um I think he may like go off the like I mean obviously he's like off the rails, but I think he may it may be like 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 Kanye when his mom died and there's just like a steep like decline in his like like sense of reality um i think we could see that with john k and uh, i'm here for it because it's not like that he would be writing anything shittier than he is now <laughs> it might make him better who knows 
<laughs> Fuck. That was one of the worst columns that we've ever read on this show. Um, and not just because it's John Kay and not just because it was an American publication and Canadian media has an inferiority complex when it comes to U.S. publications and everything has to be bigger and worse in it. Um, I don't know. It didn't rank highly for me. I might just be just like completely detached, though. I just I hate the fact that this is going to an American audience and mm. they don't know any better than to be like, oh, that's dog shampoo boy. Like, I shouldn't read this. <laughs> right. Like everyone in Canada who reads the news knows that John Kay is not to be taken seriously. There's too many people in the States and nobody gives a shit mm. about Canada. So, like, there are people that are going to read this and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. He used to edit the walrus. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about something better. Mitchell, I don't know if you've ever listened to one of our episodes. I'm not going to quiz you on it, but tell me which one your favorite is of all the episodes. No, I'm not going to do that to you. No, I do want to know what your favorite is, though. Um, I listened to... This is the one Emily and Steve are on. <laughs> and, okay. Yes, and uh, the one the guide the, the National Post Guide to Capitalism. Oh, the Rex Murphy one was great. Hell yeah! Well. Joked about him being the Joker. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, you passed the test. But the reason I brought that up is because okay. at the end of every episode, we talk about things that are good and not the National Post and not uh, Jonathan Kay and not Quillette and not the Wall Street Journal. It's stuff that we've read in the last little bits or watched or in our gamer demographic played just stuff that you think that our audience would benefit from uh experiencing um so i'm gonna start off with uh with marino who's in the middle of a move so he might not have something for me but marino yes well that was what i was going to say um i have been reading from the school the book of hard knocks oh. about moving i'm very tired uh <laughs> uh i don't know i've been playing elden ring there's a lot of text in that game so i've counted that as reading back out that, that, that's my report <laughs> speaking of which i need to get my uh my switch um uh controllers fixed you need to do that and you also have to download counter-strike um so you can play with uh the rest of the discord because i think they were happy that i was there i think they missed you too a little bit who's playing oh you know the uh the crew we got lucas and kevin and austin and i was also there i was also there it's a lot of fun though okay cool um what do i recommend well there's a quite uh fascinating interview uh in the uh, a little uh a little uh magazine called the new yorker <laughs> it's new but it's good <laughs> um sometimes uh with jo a guy named john mearsheimer who's a political science he's he's an interesting guy he's p political scientist i should say he's an interesting guy um comes from like the old school like realist uh school of uh international relations theory that just sees the world as like a power struggle between states and uh he has some takes on the uh russia ukraine conflict which he uh, famously said was largely the fault of the United States and NATO. And uh, Isaac Chotner uh, interviews him, and he's one of the best interviewers in the game, I think. Like, he, he 
is really good at like asking these like provocative uh, questions and uh, challenging his his subjects. And so I would recommend that. I also uh, watched finished watching the uh, Kanye uh, Netflix documentary called Genius. Um, really fucking good. Really sad. Uh, it's three parter. The first two parts are. I mean, this guy, the guy who made it, has been uh, sort of filming Kanye on and off for the past like twenty years, like since he was just a producer, and no one wanted to listen to like his raps. They just wanted him to like make beats. And uh, the first two parts are just sort of charting his rise from like till like the college dropout comes out and it's a huge success and he wins all these Grammys. And then part three is just like his like steep uh, decline. Um, and I thought I, like I thought it was a great like uh, portrait of the artist, um, if you will. And I actually I finished watching uh, part three and it was really sad and it just shows like how like far he's fallen and then I, I i log on to instagram and i see that he uh just released a music video where he uh in claymation murders um his ex-wife's boyfriend uh, That's not Davidson good. Oh, no. Live. uh so uh yeah you know life imitates art Ho- uh, i mean hopefully not too closely but um so yeah those are my two recommendations some real underground stuff from the New Yorker and Netflix. Uh, Mitchell, have you seen or read or written anything that you'd want our audience to know about? Yeah, what have I? I guess one thing uh, I read relatively recently, kind of as I was delving into the Quillette archive, um, I read some good stuff I enjoyed, which is the, uh, the most recent relaunched issue of Science for the People, old school kind of left-wing science journal that's just recently been relaunched. They have a very good article on E.O. Wilson and, and Richard Lewinton, who is uh, the latter. Lewinton is a personal hero of mine. Um, so, yeah, I can't recommend that highly enough. Um, and the whole archive of science with people is some, for the people. And the whole archive of science with the people, rather, is some fantastic stuff. Um, as well, in terms of stuff uh, I've been listening to, Know Your Enemies is consistently fantastic as a podcast. And um, I've just actually written, in terms of stuff coming out, a big article for The Breach on Pierre Polyev, which is a long history, but hopefully it's a little bit of traction because it's like 4,000 words long. Oh, but. yeah. I, I think I have that piece saved in pocket. Um, I saw it and I was like, I definitely want to read this. And I don't think I did but uh that <laughs> just made me. mitchell so sad don't blame you <laughs> it's very long but uh bitcoin is mentioned and i'm i don't know how many people have read it but i'm getting a lot of like crypto bros messaging on twitter <laughs> of uh being flippant and uh uh closed-minded about the possibilities of cryptocurrency whatever, whatever makes them more unhappy i'm down with yeah that's you know you're um you're you're doing the right thing when you make crypto bros mad yeah yeah so everybody read that because it will make crypto bros angry by virtue of reading it so do your part is what i'm trying to say i've been doing a little bit of reading these days i'm trying to (laughs) been trying to stay off twitter because uh like this course has gotten really bad and so like all i've been doing is like tweeting shitty jokes and hoping that uh people enjoy them but I am reading a, a book called uh, When Prophecy Fails, which I, I like 
will occasionally pick up and just like thumb through it's a it's a great book about uh doomsday cults and how how the people inside them react when their predictions don't come true it's a lot of fun and it talks about a lot of new agey cults in the the 1970s and people doing automatic writing and then being very wrong in the things that they wrote down during the automatic writing i also have been listening to a lot of imperial news which is very very cool and i've spent been spending a lot of time on the discord for Big Shiny Takes, which you can join. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. Oh, I have another thing that I have to plug because I'm producing a new podcast with um, a very cool group of people at The Hoser, which is a local publication uh, in Toronto, and they're doing a podcast focused on food insecurity, housing, and labor. It's called Short Circuits. It's by Kevin Tagabon and Shannon Caranco, and their next episode is coming out uh, in the middle of March, I'm going to be editing it next week. So it'll be very good, and you should all listen to it. But that sort of brings us to the end of the episode. Um, Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us for an episode of Big Shiny Takes. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's an absolute blast, and uh, it kind of felt like uh, me, you, and Marino at Free Times Cafe just talking shit about Quillette the entire time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. It's Big Shiny Takes, the only anti-free speech podcast. Big Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's Big Shiny Takes, with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Big Shiny Takes, are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.